Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. This day is in the shadow, you might say, of Thanksgiving here in the United States of America. And just a short time ago, a former president... William Jefferson Clinton, Bill Clinton, was quoted concerning the incumbent president, Donald Trump. And he offered advice to him, which you certainly may take with a large dose of salt uh, if you have anything other than trust and confidence in that former president. But nonetheless, on the surface, I think the advice was surprisingly (laughs) sober and good. And he advised President Trump to ignore all of the noise concerning impeachment efforts. And direct quote is as follows, quote, my message would be, look, you got hired to do a job. You don't get the days back you blow off. Every day is an opportunity to make something good happen. And I would say I've got lawyers and staff, people handling this impeachment inquiry, and they should just have at it. Meanwhile, I'm going to work for the American people. That's what I would do, end quote. And again, I think that is surprisingly sober, prudent, reasonable, wise counsel from the former president. Whether he has any particular motives, ulterior motives for for making these statements or whether he's just interested in basking in the limelight or whether he has something else going on remains to be seen. But in any case, it probably won't be exactly followed, this advice, because the president who is in the White House at this time or... Uh, on his way to London or in London, UK, he has a way of yielding to his tempers and responding clamorously to whatever is itching him. So whether he will take this advice is a Very questionable. But I do think it is reasonable counsel. Exactly. Let your legal team, your legal beagles, let them deal with this. Let your staff deal with with any details and so forth. Let others also go to bat for you on your behalf. Others who are great supporters of you and what have you. You know, the ones like Rudy Giuliani, uh, whom the president is distancing himself from now because it is advantageous to uh, 
to do so. But for plausible deniability's sake, but whether the president will continue in the fray fighting the impeachment foes is up in the air, but I suspect he will continue to do so. But this president, he does some things that are good, which in my view are surprisingly good, and then he does some things that are atrocious and terrible. For instance, here this month, the president threw his people as uh, let it be known that the United States of America will consider changing plans, that is, altering plans that were in place to conduct joint military exercises with South Korea. But to discard those plans, change those plans, abort those plans, if it will appeal to Kim Jong-un, his best friend for life, the monstrous, murderous dictator of the North Korean communist regime family enterprise. Yes, by all means, <laughs> you know, do whatever, do whatever these, these evil ones want. You know, in the interest of world peace, of course. And meanwhile, on the flip side of that, the president granted full pardons. The quote was as follows. President Donald J. Trump signed an executive grant of clemency, full pardon, for Army First Lieutenant Clint Lawrence, an executive grant of clemency, full pardon for Army Major Matthew Goldstein, and an order directing the promotion of Special Warfare Operator First Class Edward R. Gallagher to the grade of E-7, the rank he held before he was tried and found not guilty of all of the charges against him, except for one that they came up with, which pertained to his being photographed with a dead ISIS terrorist in Iraq in 2017. But, of course, the left would decry these things. But the president was right to do these things. I, our military, it's just Fascinating how far downhill it has gone. Fascinating in a horrendous way. In a macabre way. The military of the United States of America used to be a bastion, if you will, of traditional, traditional morality and faith and virtue and what have you. Going back to, oh, I don't know, how about the war between the states, all right? The so-called civil war. Going back to that, 
you could find on both sides, even though you, uh, the wonderful Democrat Party to this day will deny it to the nth degree. All of their illustrious, vaunted presidential candidates will deny this to the nth degree. But there was honor and nobility and righteousness and courage and self-sacrifice evidenced by many, many leaders on both sides. And I would go so far as to say, uh, more notably on the side of the Confederate States of America than on the Union side. But the military of today is something else altogether. Yes, the military that has been subverted and corrupted and perverted, the military that even going back as far as back to when James Earl Carter Jr., Jimmy Carter, trust me, Carter, was president, who was a graduate of the Naval Academy in Annapolis and a career Navy officer and a political riser within the Navy. But even going back to his time in which he did his level best to subvert and corrupt the Navy, uh, to integrate the Navy and all of the armed forces, to feminize them, to fill the ranks with women, the academies with women candidates. Yes, he did great work, but going back that far, the military has been on an atrocious decline. I've commented before on this expenditure that was made decades and decades ago, which I think was for, you know, what sounds like a nominal sum, unless it's pertaining to yourself or myself, something like it could have been anywhere from $500,000 on up to, I don't know, how many millions and millions, but that was spent in order to indoctrinate the chaplains in the military. And I can't remember if it was specifically the chaplains in the U.S. Army or if it was across all of the military service branches. But it was to indoctrinate them, to sensitize them, to educate them so that they would not attempt to evangelize members of the so-called Church of Satan who were within the ranks of the military. And again, I believe this was specific to the U.S. Army and that it would have been an even greater sum if it had been across all service branches. But that goes back many decades. Our military now is chock full of Islamists as well as members of the Church of Satan as well as sodomites and, of course, a great many women, young women, pregnant women, single mothers, mothers who leave their children in the care of the Mr. Moms back home. I mean, a whole plethora of, you know, of new family types that we have in the United States of America. I know years ago, and this goes back probably only a couple decades now, 
years ago, I saw the figures that were, they were rough, but it was estimated that at any point in time, 10%, at a minimum, 10% of the women in the Navy were pregnant at any point in time. Well, that certainly speaks of a a fighting force that is <laughs> ready for combat and so forth. Now, that's back before we officially welcomed women into active combat and so forth. But we've just gone such a long way into the future, just progressing at every step. And the military has become increasingly and increasingly and corrosively leftist. And the, there was a television program that may still be going uh, that pertained to the Judge Advocate General, JAG, and starring Catherine Bell, and I can't remember the name of the a man opposite her. But this service, the Judge Advocate General, has served as an advocate for the leftists and a virulent opponent of righteousness and decency and godliness and what have you. And prosecuting the good and it's just a wonder, just a wonder that our military is still standing. But anyway, I would say, hear, hear, Mr. President, for what he did with regard to that. And then you turn around, and what is the president doing? He's crowing about his body, his physical anatomy, and to his adoring throngs and crowds in ways that just defy imagination, at least for me, (laughs) to have a president speaking the way he does, to say the things he does, just to put it very gently and diplomatically makes me cringe, but um, not my (laughs) idea of presidential. But again, for those people who just adore him, uh, he can say and do no wrong. Meanwhile, Speaking of another government that is in almost parallel kind of circumstances, that of the modern state of Israel, modern nation state of Israel, where there have been two elections and multiple attempts in the midst of that to throw out and to punish and to what have you, the Prime Minister Benjamin Bibi Netanyahu. And things just continue to be up in the air there in Israel. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because Israel is, of all places in the world, the foremost focus of attempts by the Islamists of the world to seize 
land and power and destroy those whom they are dedicated to the destruction of, namely Christians and Jews. That's what dear old false prophet Muhammad was dedicated to. That was his great agenda, was the destruction of Christianity and Jewry and Western civilization. And Christendom, of course, being again the crown jewels. But Israel being focal point to conquer the Holy Land, to subjugate it, and to enslave it, and to use that as its <laughs> launching pad for war of hegemony around the world, war against all that does not fall at the feet and pay obeisance to Islam. But so the upset situation in Israel is very problematic from a defense standpoint, from a security, a national security standpoint, very problematic. And (laughs) I don't know what is going to happen. I do know that Israel has managed to survive myriad attempts to destroy it from its absolute inception as a modern state up to the present despite being a secular nation, despite embracing and promoting all manner of corruption, such as the sodomite agenda and what have you, despite having leaders who almost without exception are non-believers, non-Jews, non-Christians, even if they are Jews by lineage. Just amazing. And yet God keeps having mercy, extending mercy to Israel and keeping it from being destroyed, even though it is under continual attack by Islam. But meanwhile, President Trump, can we call him chesty? Would that be all right to call him chesty after his statements here so recently concerning his magnificent chest? <laughs> that he was, he was saying that the, uh, the, uh, the doctors, the staff at such and such hospital were just so amazed at his physiognomy, <laughs> at his body, at his incredible, awesome as he put it, gorgeous chest. (laughs) It's just, is it possible for a president to be so mm, cringeworthy? But nonetheless, is it all right to call him chesty? There was a man, there was a soldier, a very famous soldier of World War II, officer, And his nickname was Chesty. So (laughs) I I mean no slight to him in referring to President Trump as Chesty. But he has, again, he has 
uh, what would be the right way to put it? He has provoked me into giving him this, this nickname, Chesty Trump, President Chesty Trump. But he is off to London, and interestingly enough, and this is for a NATO summit, he's going to be meeting one-on-one, face-to-face, mano-a-mano, and mano-a-non-mano, with leaders who are not exactly in league with him, who are not friends of his, who are not buddies and pals and best friends for life and forever like, you know, Kim Jong-un and so forth. But he's going to be meeting with them. Those are in the works. That is scheduled. But interestingly enough, he's not scheduled to meet with British Prime Minister Boris Johnson, even though he likes Boris Johnson, even though he has praised Boris Johnson, he's not scheduled to meet him. Why is that? Well, there is the line from the White House, various different varieties of this line, being that this is because America doesn't want to interfere in the elections of other nations. Okay, there might be a... Another reason, however, it might have something more to do with the fact that apparently British Prime Minister Boris Johnson doesn't want anything to do with being associated with President Trump because he's afraid it will hurt him at the polls in this very soon upcoming election. But we will see how it goes, all the excitement over there in London. Meanwhile, there have been a terrorist attack in London this day. There was a terrorist attack in Holland as well. In both cases, knife-wielding men. In the case of the attack in London, two people were murdered. And onlookers tackled the assailant who was wearing a fake suicide vest, explosive vest, IED terrorist vest. Meanwhile, in Holland, it was three young people were wounded and uh, the assailant not captured, whereas the assailant in London was shot dead by British police, which is unusual because they normally don't resort to that sort of thing, you know, much better not to do that, much better to take them alive so that they can then release them a few years later. But it's the way it worked out. On London Bridge, of all things, on what a day, on Black Friday. (laughs) Well, that can have different meanings, can't it? Of course, it's not Black Friday in the UK because Thanksgiving Day, that's limited to the United States of America. Yes, there is a Thanksgiving up in Canada at a different time and so forth. But this Thanksgiving that Black Friday pertains to does not (laughs) go across the pond. 
What surprises me about the attacks, the timing of these attacks, is that they took place prior to the president arriving. And it just seems like it would have been, I I don't know, just coordinated to have actually taken place while he was there rather than prior to his arrival. But neither here nor there. What about this wonderful day, this Black Friday, which uses Thanksgiving as an excuse for major sales, discounts, bargains, and what have you, to seduce shoppers into rushing to the stores on Thanksgiving Day, and then it carries on over into this day, Friday, and then into Saturday, and then into Sunday, or Lord's Day. And for some, it continues on (laughs) into the next week, beyond Sunday. But it's the state of affairs in the United States of America where Thanksgiving is relegated to being called Turkey Day by various and sundry celebrities and what have you. And scant attention paid to what Thanksgiving is truly about, why there is a Thanksgiving. And instead, all the focus on, though, the Black Friday fanfare and fall to raw and fiddle-dee-dee and foolishness and what have you. It's, again, a testament to the degradation of the United States of America. But before I go a step further, let me just say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and good and true in this program is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever's lacking, erring, deficient is due to me. That is on me. All right. Now, <laughs> the president, President Trump, that is, <laughs> for those elsewhere in the world, President Trump of the United States of America, I have referred to him going back to his first steps there at the White House as being the, uh, the tweeter-in-chief, the commander-in you know, and twit, whatever, that our chief tweeter. But interestingly enough, as he has used social media, he has such such an affinity, such an affection for the dumbed-down communication process <laughs> media used and uh, made famous by Twitter The social media platforms have been used not only by the left, such as Bernie Sanders uh, back in the previous presidential election, but by so very many of the current Democrat presidential candidates, and again by this president who is so fond of social media and communicating by it, and by many other Republicans 
as well, and of course, independence and what have you. But those who are behind the scenes, those who are in charge of these social media giants, they have definite preferences politically. And they do not want their platforms used by the wrong people. And we see this time and again where they harness their platforms they, to prevent them from being used, exploited, if you will, by the wrong people. They only want them to be used to the advantage of their agenda, their causes, their people. And uh, there was an instance of this here at this time, namely pertaining to the Minnesota congressional race there. And a challenge to... To the Islamist Ilhan Omar and uh, Twitter denying the use of its platform to a Republican woman. But <laughs> it's, it's just the way things are. If you imagine there is some sort of level playing field out there, dream on. Uh, <laughs> there is not. But as far as I'm concerned... It is of minimal importance to me with regard to the social media. What matters as far as I am concerned, and this is my narrow perspective pertaining to this matter, is when it comes to things such as radio communication, television communication, as compared to social media Twitter feeds and so forth is the attempts, the efforts that have been made for decades now to control who can be heard and who cannot and to offset and shut down those voices, those persons that the executives don't want to be heard. That has been an ongoing battle. It has gone on for decades now. But there are those personages who are viewed as being conservative who have enjoyed great success, great success as talk show hosts and radio, and some on television, and some on both platforms, who have been tolerated because of their success, that they got in early enough and they galvanized a large enough base of support, of audience, of numbers, of fans to persuade the executives to keep them on board because they were bringing in listeners, bringing in viewers, bringing in advertising dollars and so forth. And then others who have been relegated to 
being shunned and kept out of that. But we here in the United States of America, we enjoy this art imitating life and life imitating art. I saw an advertisement, an online advertisement. Oh, goodness, it's been a month or more now. I'm going to say more than that. And it said a number of things that I thought were very interesting, and I failed to (laughs) make note of it, to put it somewhere where I could refer back to it. But it was referring to movie-making, film-making. Not only feature films, but these series that are featured on the streaming services. Whether you want to call them TV series, miniseries, or what have you, they are, in most cases, not really miniseries. When I hear miniseries, I'm thinking we're talking about two, three, four episodes. But instead, it's the new development, one of the new developments here in media that has just grown exponentially and which you could say it goes back to uh, forerunners there on HBO, for instance, uh, pertaining to The Sopranos and so forth. Television programs that were heavily produced and were located on premium cable networks and which only provided a handful of episodes per season or even per year and which became extremely popular and successful. And it has, this trend has continued. It has morphed and it has developed further and it has increased and what have you. And you find these programs on various different streaming services, including Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and Apple and what have you, that they will continue to to expand and to go where men and women have not gone before. Uh, but I saw this advertisement. It was talking about training for writing for the production of these programs, and it referred to American and international society, and in a way that was downright damning, without intending to be damning, but was absolutely damning, speaking of there being this great and continuously growing, thirsty, hungry market for darker edgier, queerer, for lack of a better way to put it, subject matter, more violent, bloodier, darker, more horrific, and so forth, of the increased appetite and the continuously increasing appetite 
for such programming, the popularity of such programming, and that it was only going to become that much more desired and popular. How can such things be? This thirst for bloodlust entertainment. Well, the fruit of such things has been the destruction, the wanton destruction of darlings, of young people, typically, overwhelmingly, girls and young women and women. And there's an anniversary, in fact, a very, very, very sad anniversary of a precious girl, a precious young woman, Mandy Stavick, who was raped and murdered, kidnapped, raped and murdered in a small town in Washington State, Acme, A-C-M-E, many moons ago, 1989, in fact. The day after Thanksgiving is when she was attacked and murdered while she was out for a jog. She had come home. She was a freshman in college, had just started college, came home to spend Thanksgiving with her family, this beautiful girl. And she was attacked and raped and murdered by a monstrous destroyer who happened to live in Acme. Her body was found three and a half miles downriver on the Nooksack River. But again, that was 1989. So much time has gone down the river, right? We're talking 30 years ago. This precious young woman lost her life at the hands of an absolute monster. And this case was only just solved very recently, very recently. But there have been myriad such monstrous evil crimes committed down through these years. One thing, one twist, you might say, that there has been in recent years, particularly noticeably, has been the destruction, the attempted destruction and or destruction of the bodies of those who have been murdered. And certainly that can be written off as just being done to try to attempt not to be discovered, that is, on the part of the guilty. But I think it goes beyond that. I know it goes beyond that in so many cases. In so many cases of these crimes, and people think, well, the girls, the young women, they're murdered because they were raped, and so for the destroyer to evade being captured and punished 
that that's why they murder the girls and the young women. In so very many cases, that's not it at all. That the rape is intended for defiling the girls and the young women. And again, typically targeting girls, even young girls and young women and young mothers, defiling them. And that that is just a step in the overall plan of destroying them in this rage against God and against godliness and against goodness and kindness and decency and sweetness and beauty and purity and what have you. And that murder and or torture murder is included with that. And now desecration of the body, this way, that way, the other way. But that too is involved in defiling the body, in defiling and destroying the body. Not merely trying to avoid or evade capture, being found out and being tracked down and so forth. But you can dismiss that as no, things don't work that way. When in point of fact, very frequently, that is involved. But with regard to art imitating life and life imitating art, beyond this, the matter of these wonderful bloodlust programs, entertainment programs, which make much ado of such subject matter. It reminds me, years ago, once upon a time, there was a precious girl, 14-year-old girl that was kidnapped, raped, murdered, what have you. And when I saw that she had been kidnapped, when I saw this in the newspaper, the job that I was doing took me to many businesses, businesses that typically were heavily populated by women, residential real estate. And I requested at real estate firm after real estate agency that they would post flyers that I photocopied and asked that they post them so that hopefully this girl could be found alive. And I was... (laughs) opposed at one real estate agency after another by women, by women who were mothers and so forth, a wonderful maternal instinct. No, they couldn't be bothered by something that they thought might be detrimental to their business. Wonderful, far-seeing women. And I remember speaking to a woman here or there concerning something or other and learning that they loved horror movies, which horrified me. I could not imagine how that was possible, that some nice, kindly woman would enjoy horror movies, that that would be their favorite genre. And that's so long ago, but this thirst, this lust for horror, 
for monstrous evil depicted. It has just grown and grown, and it has borne such monstrous evil fruit. But there are other promotions that go along with this, namely major American and international corporations promoting, heavily promoting, heavy-handedly promoting interracial, mixed-race couples, coupling, marriages, families. You know, ones such as Coles and Reynolds, and I don't know what the family corporation of Advil is, but Advil, and also major American international corporations promoting the sodomite agenda, mainstreaming of sodomites. Major corporations like Johnson & Johnson, Procter & Gamble, and what have you. Well, it's a microcosm of the state of affairs here in the United States of America, as well as around the world, It's like water circling a drain, civilization being swept down in a race to the bottom. Here we are, again, just on the heels of Thanksgiving. And this Christmas holiday season. And Hallmark Channel, Hallmark Channel, which has the Crown Media Family Network, which includes... Hallmark Channel, Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, Hallmark Drama, and Hallmark Movies Now. It makes me think of the United States of America back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Not that I was around (laughs) to see things back in the 40s and 50s, to take note of such things. But it reminds me of that era. America during that time period, during that era as seen in its entertainment, was not religious, was not Christian. But Christian morals and mores were recognized as the standard, and they were expected to be abided by. They were required to be abided by. Then came this massive erosion, undermining and assault on these mores and morals of the 1960s and 1970s. And it succeeded because of the lack of a firm foundation of spiritual conviction, even among Christians, even throughout the Christian church, that there just wasn't strength of conviction. And so now, too, with Hallmark Channel's Crown Media Family Network, But before giving you a few examples of that, I noted some advertisements here. uh, I'm not sure how long ago it's been now, a few weeks, for eHarmony, the dating service that supposedly has a Christian base but really had a psychological base, Christian psychological base, (laughs) as if psychology can be Christian given that psychology is founded by absolute enemies of God. But that dating service, it had a commercial showing a male, and he was surveying a page displaying all males, meaning this was promoting sodomy, 
the sodomite agenda. And it was being done where? On the Hallmark Channel. During the first advertisement break of a Hallmark Channel Christmas romantic comedy movie. And then later in the movie, at the last advertisement break, an Ulta Beauty cosmetics commercial showing, along with many females, showing a male who makes up as something other than male. (laughs) Now, again, this is on Hallmark Channel. And this is at the first commercial break and the last commercial break, at the beginning and the end, at the most pivotal points, at the places that get the most attention, promoting this agenda, promoting sodomite agenda. Not only are these advertisements promoting abomination, but again, via Hallmarks, Crown Media Family Networks, during this grand Christmas season, countdown to Christmas season. Just appalling and astonishing to me, but (laughs) while I could continue on with Hallmark, many other examples, let me just segue over to a competitor of Hallmark Network, and that is Lifetime. There's Lifetime Network, Lifetime Movies Network, and so much of their programming is just horrible. Again, of the more of the bloodlust, horrible variety. But what they have done in past years is they've shown a smattering of Christmas rom-coms or romantic comedy programming. And this year they have really ramped it up. And they started their great kickoff of this at the same time that Hallmark's Crown Media Family Network did with its Countdown to Christmas on both Hallmark Channel and Hallmark Movies and uh, Mysteries Network. Namely, October 25th. October 25th, October 26th, Lifetime kicked theirs off, namely to have Christmas programming day and night. That was a great departure for Lifetime, really going head-to-head strong against Hallmark. Well, Lifetime. What about Lifetime's programming? Now, if you're familiar with Hallmarks, you know that it's, it's dominantly white. Well, Lifetime's looks like it could be on BET Network. I mean, it has to be at least 50% black or African-American. At least it strikes me that way. Now, And of that, not only does it have such a heavy, heavy focus on African-American black audience, but in addition to that, also featuring interracial, mixed-race couples. And on top of that, featuring sodomite couples. I was watching a program just the other night, and I was thinking, of this program, I was enjoying it more than various programs on Hallmark. And then the pièce de résistance, they introduced a sodomite couple. We have to defile everything. Use 
everything to promote these evil agendas. And this underscores the corporate dynamics, the corporate objectives of Lifetime. It demonstrates their target demographics and their goals, their mission, which is not just to make a buck. It's not just to reach this audience, in this case, heavily focused on African-American audience, but let's reach an appeal to the sodomite audience. And I can't help but think that the advertisers and the content providers that are promoting interracial couples and coupling, that they're missing it and they're going to be alienating a lot of people, alienating black as well as white, who don't appreciate this. But I could be mistaken. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.